This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. Our scripture reading this morning can be found in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, the first eight verses. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege that it is to gather in your house as your people to worship you, to praise you, to recognize all of your good gifts, to recognize your steadfast love, your faithfulness to your promises, and to know that you have promised to meet us here when we gather in your name. So Lord, we look forward to what you've already begun to do in our hearts and what you will continue to do in our hearts as you have promised that your word will not return void. And God, we recognize uh, this morning, we recognize your constant care, your constant provision for us. We recognize that that provision is, is steadfast and faithful even when life is difficult, even when life is confusing even when we're hurting and suffering, as well as when we are joyful and content. Lord, I pray that no matter where each of us finds ourselves and what situation in life we're in this morning, that you would meet us there, that you would provide for our needs, that you would remind us of the truth, that you are the God who loves us and cares for us so much that you sent your Son to live and die so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be free from sin, so that we could be content, so that we could know that we are loved by a good God. Lord, I pray for uh, my words this morning as I preach. I pray that I wouldn't say anything more or less than what you have for me to say, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would apply your words to our hearts that we would recognize the areas where you are growing us, where you are shaping us, where you are making us more and more into the image of Jesus. God, I pray that you would be glorified in everything that is said and done here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So there was a TV show, sitcom, that had a nice long run. There's a character on the show that pretty much for the whole thing was painted as pretty much an idiot. And you finally get to the last episode of the show and he says something profound he says something that kind of can resonate with all of us he says I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them 
And he says this because he had spent the whole show looking back to his college days, thinking about how great that was. And now he's further on and he's at another stage in life and he looks back just a few years and recognizes how great that was. And all of us have a tendency to feel that way. We want to look back at the way that things were and how good they were. Or we want to look forward to the way that things might be in the future. It's all this desperate attempt to get the most out of life. We want to be as satisfied as we possibly can. We want to find some meaning. Everyone has some version of that kind of a feeling at some point in life. Whether you're a believer in Christ or you're not. Thankfully, as those of us who are followers of Christ, we have answers that the world doesn't. We know that God has placed us here and now according to his good plan, and therefore we can trust him no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And that is what uh, Ecclesiastes, this, this, these verses that were just read to us, that's, that's what it's driving at. It's what it's showing us. Now, before we dive specifically into this text, let's talk a little bit about the book of Ecclesiastes. So we are, through the summer, we're in wisdom literature. We're taking some selections from Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. If you're not familiar with one of those, it's probably going to be Ecclesiastes. If you've read the book, you may have looked at it and said, what on earth is this book doing in the Bible? It's a little different. It's a little unique, but it is very, very helpful. So it's written by somebody who introduces himself, or the book introduces himself as, or him as simply the preacher. Now, most scholars, most conservative scholars believe that is Solomon. Uh, I believe it's Solomon because he talks about being king over Israel. He talks about all the wisdom that he had gained, all the riches that he had gained. And Solomon, as he goes about writing this, he says he sets out to find out what is wisdom, what is life all about, what's the meaning of life, the purpose of life. And the part that's strange is he keeps coming back to this phrase where he says, it's all vanity, or it's all meaningless, depending on what your translation is. And you think, how is that wisdom? How does he keep landing on that solution? Now, we're not going to have a chance to look through the whole book. I encourage you to read it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But I'm going to cheat, since we don't get to look at the whole thing, and skip to the end and land where he lands. In chapter 12, verse 13, he says this, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, as wisdom literature, Psalms gives voice to our emotions. It helps us to express the joy and the pain and the sorrow and all those things that we experience in life. Proverbs gives us these principles for what it is to live a wise life. How do we follow what God's called us to do? And Ecclesiastes takes all of that wisdom and it plops it down into the reality that we as humans, the phrase that the, the preacher uses over and over again is under the sun. Everything that happened under the sun, everything that happens on this earth in this lifetime recognizes that we have to deal with sin and suffering and death, all those effects of the fall, all those things that happened because Adam sinned, it recognizes that they're real. We have to deal with them. But it also recognizes that those good blessings that God had given humanity before the fall, they're still here. Our relationship with God and worship, our relationship with each other and community and uh, marriage and family, 
work even. God set Adam to naming the animals. He set him to guarding the garden. All those things are still here. Yes, they're tainted by sin. They're darkened by sin, but they're still here. So Ecclesiastes recognizes that there's this balanced approach to understanding life here under the sun that we have to take. Now in the section that we're looking at this morning, he specifically helps us take a balanced look at time. Now every person who has ever lived has experienced in some form or another the passage of time. Pretty much every person, and I'm betting every person in this room, has at some point complained about it. Either because you have too much time because you're bored, that's my kids, or you don't have enough time because you're just so busy and there's so many things to do and you can't possibly get to all of it. So we're always looking to the next thing, but it's not really time itself that we have a problem with because it keeps marching on. We all deal with it the same way. But it's what do we do with it? How do we make the best use of it? How do we react to what's happening within that time? And we unfortunately often spend so much energy wishing that things were different. The teenager who just can't wait for that next couple of years so he can finally drive. Or if you're a little bit older, the arthritis has kicked in. You wish you could just open the jar. You wish you could run and jump the same. We're always looking forward or backward, wishing things were just a little bit different, a little bit better. And why is that a problem? Because when we do that, we're failing to recognize that God has sovereignly placed us here and now as a part of his good plan. Ecclesiastes 3 starts off with this this poem, basically, that Dom just read to us. And uh, it follows a pattern, which you'll pick up really quickly. I'll read the first few verses, starting in verse 2. He says, There's a time to be born. And a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal. And he goes on and on, listing these these contrasting pairs, so these extreme opposites. That's a common thing in Hebrew poetry that they would use, not just to say that those two things are the only things, but it's those and everything else in between. So when he says there's a time to be born and a time to die, he's talking about the entire human life cycle. Everything that happens when a person's alive. When he says that there is a time to mourn and a time to dance, it doesn't mean that those are the only two things that are appropriate to do, but everything else in between. Time to weep and a time to laugh and all the emotions in between, there's a time for those things. That means good. It means bad. It means everything in between. It means that wherever you find yourself right now, as an individual, as a family, we as a church, we as a nation, the world, where we are right now, is where God has planned for us to be. This is the time for where we are right now because it's a part of God's good plan. What that doesn't mean is that bad things are good. Don't hear me say that. Bad things are still bad. Sin is still abhorrent to God. Death and sickness and all those things that are an effect of the fall, those are still our enemies. They're still really bad things. But we learn in Genesis 50, when we get to the end of Joseph's story, and Joseph says to his brothers that what you meant evil against me, God meant it for good. Evil things are still evil, but God takes those things, and as a part of his plan, he works them out for good. He works them out for his 
good purpose. And that can be really hard for us to understand because we're dealing with time. There's a reason that there are so many movies about time travel and they're all a little bit different because everybody's trying to figure out what is this thing? But we experience time an awful lot differently than God does because God is, he's outside of time. Time is not something that constrains God, but rather it's something that God has actually created, made, set up. So we experience time from in the middle of it. We're in one point in time, and we can only see so far in any direction. We see right here, but God is outside of time. He sees the beginning from the end all at once, and it's all his plan. I want you to imagine you're in a corn maze. When you're in that corn maze and the corn's 10 feet tall or whatever, all you can see is just that few feet in front of you. And you're walking around trying to figure it out, taking the turns as they come. You think maybe that stalk was the one that you saw before, but they all look pretty much the same. You can only see so far. We're in the middle of time. We're in the middle of that corn maze. But now if you are one of the lucky ones who gets to go up in the helicopter and see the cool pattern that they made it into from above... You can see the entrance, you can see the exit, you can see the people walking around trying to figure out where they're going. You see the whole thing all at once. God sees all of time, all at once, and he is working out his good plan. We are where we are now because God has placed us here. So if it's wisdom to know that, what do we do with it? I would say that every day we have to be consciously aware, remind ourselves of the fact that we are in this place, in this time, according to God's good plan. That's why the preacher writes these things out like he does. He says there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. That means that when bad things happen, we mourn them. That means that over this last year and a half, we've had nearly 20 people at First Pres die. That means it's okay for us to mourn those things because death is robbery. Death is an effect of the fall. We don't have to plaster a fake smile on our face and pretend that horrible things aren't horrible. Horrible things are horrible, and we should mourn them as an effect of the fall, as a thing that we can't wait to be gone. That also means that we celebrate the good things and do it with, with joy, with all that we are. Let's celebrate the births of the babies that we have so many of in this place right now. Let's celebrate the graduations that we've just gone through. And we should join in with each other and celebrate those things. And we should join together as a church, as a body, recognizing that those things, while the other things are, are these bad effects of the fall, those things are just tastes of what it was like before the fall, or tastes of what it will be like after sin is removed from the earth, after Jesus comes back and sets everything back the way that it should be. So wisdom is being aware of what situation we're in life, what situation God has placed us in here and now, and recognizing, understanding that in the midst of that, God is working out his good plan for his good purpose and we should do what the preacher says when he summarizes his whole book fear god fear the one who has control over time and keep his commandments that is something that we can always be striving for every moment of every day 
strive to fear God and keep his commandments. But like I said earlier, we tend to get distracted by the past and the future. We spend a lot of time thinking about those things. We look back to the past, then we generally do one of two things. We either regret it or we revel in it. It's easy to look back at all those things that we wish that we hadn't done. Those sins that we wish we hadn't committed. Those words that we wish we hadn't said. Things that we, if I could just go back 10 years and do this differently, everything else would be better now. But that's to fail to see that in those things, even those things we regret, even those things that were bad, the sin was still sin, it's still bad. God took those things and used them to shape us and make us into the people we are now and put us in the place where we are now for his good purposes. Or we look back and we revel in it. We look back to our college years and we think this was just the greatest time of my life. I wish I could just go back there and everything would be so great again. I've been back to my college campus and they changed everything. All the people are different. It wasn't the same. We can't go back. We can't relive those experiences. And if we could, it wouldn't satisfy us the way that we think it would. We have to be aware of where we are now. Now, it's wise to look back, and it's wise to learn from the mistakes that we've made. It's wise to not repeat the same sins that we've done. It's wise to learn from the past, but it's unwise to dwell on it and to wish that we could change it, because we can't. So we have to use, recognize the past for what it is and how God wants us to think of the past. The way that scripture looks at the past is to constantly go back. It does this a lot through the Psalms and the Old Testament and even in the New Testament when they look back and see all the things that God has done. One of my favorite Psalms is 136. It is probably the most repetitive Psalm. This goes... Uh, For anybody who doesn't like choruses, this has a really good chorus. It goes through and it says all the things that God has done. It says who God is. God is great. And in between every line of what it says, it repeats the phrase, for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. God rescued Israel from Egypt for the steadfast love endures forever. God brought Israel through the wilderness for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. You see how looking at the past that way is differently than how we do it? It's looking back and seeing what God has done to see his faithfulness, where our tendency is to look back and think, man, I wish I had done this differently. We look at ourselves instead of God, when what we should do is look back and see God's faithfulness. And what that proves is if God has been faithful every moment that this world has been in existence, He's going to be faithful right now in the moment you find yourself in right now, in the place here and now where God has you. We just simply have to trust him. If we have to look at the past right, we have to look at the future right too. We tend to look to the future and we think about all the great things that we want to do. We, We plan things out. Some people are more planners than others. But we want to plan. We want to, we want to imagine what it's going to be like when our kids grow up. What are we going to do when we retire? And we make all of these plans. And honestly, we get pretty frustrated when they don't work out quite the way that we wanted them to. At least I do. We should plan. We should be wise with the use of our time. Scripture tells us to do that. But we have to hold those plans that we make with an open hand, recognizing that we can't control the future. We can't determine it. 
can use wisdom here and now to plan for the future, but how that actually works out, that's up to the sovereign God. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We make our plans. We think about what we want to do. We, we use wisdom to the best of our ability, but where our foot actually lands when we put it down is determined by God, not us. All of us had plans that we thought we were going to do in 2020. I was going to take a trip. We all thought we were going to do things. None of us, I can guarantee it, planned to sit in our basements and argue about vaccines and do all the things that we did over the last year and a half, right? But God did. That was part of his plan. That moment that we were so frustrated in the middle of and we just couldn't wait to get back to normal. We just want to get back to normal. I'm so guilty of this. We just wanted things to be different. We failed to recognize what God was doing then and there in that situation. That was part of God's plan, even if we don't fully understand how. We can't plan our future, but God does. Therefore, we shouldn't fear the future, because you can't change it. What one of us, by being anxious, can change can add a moment to his life. None of us. We shouldn't try to predict the future because we can't. Only God can. What we should do is in the moment, here and now, even as we plan, even as we think for the future, trust God. Fear God and keep his commandments. The things that we actually can control, what we do, what you do here and now, fear God and keep his commandments. How do we do this? It goes back again to those good things that are still present that God created us for before the fall. Worship God. We're created to have relationship with him. Make use of the means of grace. Be here to worship God regularly. Be in the word regularly. Pray regularly. Be with other believers regularly. Those are good things that help us to fear God and keep his commandments. God gave us relationships with each other, so we have a responsibility to love our families well. If you're married, love your spouse. If you have kids, love your kids well. Those are things that you can always be doing. Do your job well. Wherever you're at, I don't care if it's McDonald's or the head of a big corporation, do it well. Do everything as if it's for the Lord, because it is. The situation that you find yourself in here and now, God has you here according to his good plan. If you do those things, then when those things come at you in life that you can't affect, that you can't change, then we deal with them. There are going to be times to mourn. There are going to be times to dance and to rejoice. There's going to come a time for each of us to die. But it's all within God's good plan. All within what he is working out. So as we try to to live here and now where God has us, it's good to look to the past. It's good to see his faithfulness and be reminded of his control over time. And we see that most clearly. Scripture talks about time a lot. I was tempted to just pull all sorts of scriptures out and plop them in. There's so much. 
But Galatians 4 gives us one of the best pictures of it, where it says, when the fullness of time had come, when time was fully ready, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. I said God is outside of time. He's Lord over all of it. Yet he humbled himself and took on flesh and entered into time, entered into our experience when the time was right to take on our sin, to take on all that we couldn't do to rescue us. He entered time to do that for us. And it's good for us to look back and see God's faithfulness and all that he's done in history. And it's good for us to, again, turn to Scripture to look to the future to see what's waiting for us because Revelation 21 gives us our picture of hope that we long for so desperately where it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. All those things that are present, the the author of Ecclesiastes has to deal with because of sin and suffering, they're temporary. It's all going to be wiped away for those who are in Christ. There's a time to mourn now, but then there will be no time to mourn. There will be time only for rejoicing in our Savior. That's our hope, church. That's why we have it so much better than the world does. While everybody has that experience of wanting to get the most out of life, trying to figure out why am I here, what's my purpose, what am I supposed to do? The world is going to be left wandering, trying to figure it out, looking to all sorts of other things that can never satisfy, that can never really give them the answers. But we have the answer. We know that we have a good God, a sovereign God, a powerful God, who placed us here and now for his good purposes, and we can trust him. We don't have to try and figure out how we're going to shape the future, or how we're going to fix the past. God is sovereign over those things. So today, for some of you, it's a day of mourning. For some of you, it's a day of dancing. For some, it's life. For some, it's nearing death. For some, it's sickness. For some, it's health. But for every single one of us, for in Christ we can know, we can have confidence that God has placed you here and now as part of his good plan. We simply trust him. We look to the situations, the circumstances we're in, we respond appropriately by fearing God and following his commandments. Whereas Psalm 136 says, it's for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. That's where we find our hope and our confidence. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a strong and mighty God, that you are wise. You alone are wise. You alone are sovereign. And you love us and you care for us. You show us compassion day by day. And Lord, we so often take our eyes off of you. We look to things that we cannot change, that we cannot affect, and spend so much energy on those wrong things. Lord, help us to turn our eyes to you. Remind us deep in our hearts that you're in control and that you're good and faithful. And then, Lord, help us to respond to that truth 
Help us to use wisdom. Help us to know what it is to fear you and keep your commandments day by day, moment by moment. Lord, there's no way that we can do it on our own. We are so reliant on you. So we ask you for that ability to do those things, trusting, knowing that you are faithful to do those things. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.